So have you ever wondered, no matter how much progress you make with your photography, you're still insecure about it? Funny old world, isn't it? I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Hello. It has been a couple of weeks since I published the podcast. Apologies for that. Uh, we've been pretty busy. There's been loads going on, not helped by the fact uh, this week we had a hard drive failure. Yes, they happen. They happen regularly. Um, when you're carrying terabytes of data, it doesn't really matter what strategies you have in place. At some point, the hardware is going to fail. Uh, this week it failed uh, hard drive I started getting emails at about 2 o'clock in the morning I got one every 10 minutes I really need to find the setting on the RAID unit that has the frequency of emails I didn't need to know that every 10 minutes or rather I didn't need to know every 10 minutes that my data was at risk of being lost that's not helpful <laughs> I needed to know once and then I could think about fixing it when I woke up in the morning but no all night my phone kept buzzing uh, to tell me that I had a hard drive failure. Luckily for me, it was on the backup unit anyway, um, but it was also on one of our Drobo raids. Well, they're not really raids for those techies out there. I do understand the difference, uh, but our Drobo units anyway. Uh, we have three of them here, uh, two of them uh, synchronizing between themselves, and one of the hard drives in there failed. Now, the great thing about the Drobo unit is the longest thing, the, the bit that took the longest to sort out was ordering a new hard drive. Uh, luckily for me, Amazon were on their toes, and although they said it would be a couple of days, it arrived the next day. I unplugged the faulty drive, slid seamlessly the new drive into the vacant slot. The whole thing took about a day to rebuild, and we were off and running. And that's precisely the way it should be in a business. Business continuity is everything, and we do have an awful lot of strategies in place here because if I ever actually lost the data, uh, we'd be in an awful lot of trouble. Uh, so that was that was our little bit of drama, and of course, as soon as I plugged that drive in, the emails stopped. But I still need to go and find that setting that says I'm going to get notified every 10 minutes. Uh, past couple of weeks has been a lot of portraits and headshots uh, and also a couple of weddings. Uh, weirdly, uh, we are definitely shooting more headshots more headshot shoots than pretty much anything else right now. Uh, and that's working out okay. I'm, I'm really, if I'm honest, I really love doing them. So that's fine. And we're charging enough. Um, we're still, we used to, if, if, if you'd have asked me last year how many headshot inquiries I would win, I'm not sure what I would have said. Not that many, because we still charge quite a lot for them because we have to, because it has to slot inside our business and our business is pretty much at the top end when it comes to weddings and portraits but we've never really priced our headshots um, effectively and I've just continually lost them because we were too expensive this year this year we can't do enough of them it's really quite quite different and that's lovely because it's definitely keeping a revenue stream and of course uh, right now I don't know what it's like all around the world obviously I, I try to keep up on the global news but certainly here in the UK uh, one way or another we are sliding inexorably 
towards a national lockdown. It won't be called, I don't think, a national lockdown. It's just that there won't be anywhere that isn't in a, lo- in a lockdown. Uh, every region, except possibly the far tip of Cornwall, uh, will be in some kind of lockdown. So effectively, a national lockdown. Um, which means, of course, I'm starting to plan what we do with the business during that time. Uh, we're putting cash away obviously we're trying to do that Uh, trying to make sure that all of the shoots we're getting those in as quickly as we can because although we have bookings over the next few weeks who knows who knows uh, quite what is going to uh, what's going to happen the next time our esteemed leadership uh, hit the news so yeah lots of support takes lots of uh, headshots we've won a couple more weddings this week uh, which is wonderful I didn't think when we started out in uh, this particular strand of conversation back in March, when it came to the COVID side of things, that we would win any weddings. All we were seeing was postponement after postponement after postponement, which was an absolute nightmare. Uh, But what we've actually done instead is we've won a few, I mean, nowhere near, nowhere near uh, what we would normally do. Um, Our revenue this year, broadly speaking, uh, has been cut, in half-ish, somewhere around there, uh, simply because all of the weddings that we would have shot uh, under a normal year have all moved out to next year and a year beyond. But what we have done is for those clients who've moved their weddings, we've um, thrown in engagement shoots and portrait shoots and said, just come and have some fun because otherwise we're going to be bored. And, And those clients have been amazing. We've had such a lovely time. There's a real energy and enthusiasm to do things Um, this year and I think that's driven by the fact we're all a little bit frustrated with the situation and if we can provide um, a distraction a little bit of pleasure uh, something emotional something they can um, do that has real value real quality to it then we're doing really well off that which is absolutely wonderful Uh, and like I said a couple more weddings uh, that we've just won which is great Uh, high point (laughs) a high point of this week I've discovered the studio microwave has a grill. Who knew? Honestly, has a grill. <laughs> this came about uh, because when we when we do a wedding reveal, uh, we always give our clients a really lovely lunch. It's it's bits and pieces. It's cheeses. It's breads. It's uh, olives and you know grapes and lots of crisps and uh, you know um, things like that that they can nibble out while they're choosing their pictures and designing their album. And sometimes there's some cheese in the fridge. Uh, we don't. Uh, we buy these big blocks of cheese and we don't always uh, use it all. And I thought it'd be really nice to have some cheese uh, after the client had gone. So I went down, a trip down to the shop, down the bakery, down the end of the road, and bought a baguette and brought it back. Uh, and of course I ate a little bit of it, but some of it stayed and went fairly stale. And so it occurred to me that I'd got cheese, I'd got some baguette that was going a little bit tough and what do you do when you have a baguette and some cheese well you toast it right everyone knows that uh, so um i was looking around thinking well what do i do and it suddenly occurred to me that the microwave that we've had in our studio for the past 18 months two years maybe has a grill i didn't know i'd never looked i knew it had an oven because we use that for warming our clients food but i did not know it had a grill this is a revelation so i chucked i I chopped a bit of the baguette slit it in half stuck some cheese on it whacked it under the grill that was the perfect lunch (laughs) it's a real high point for me i know i know you know we're uh you know our business is a proper grown-up business with all of the things that go on in it uh i'm an award-winning photographer with all the things that go along with that what do i get excited about two bits of stale baguette with some cheddar cheese on it genius absolutely 
Beautiful. Uh, what else has happened this week? Uh, rebuilt two of the studio desks. Actually, I say this week, this fortnight. Um, I rebuilt two of the studio desks. Now, that is what happens when I get a little bit of free time and some power tools. Uh, so I hopped down to B&Q, bought some wood, uh, and I've rebuilt one desk that had the printers on it because it was the, the desk we had was all in the wrong place and it was taking up space that it didn't need to. So we have bought a new printer, uh, a new lazy printer, laser printer, uh, because for some inexplicable reason, the printer we had was more adept at origami than it was at printing. Everything that came out of it appeared to be folded into some sort of concertina. And so in the end, uh, the guys got a little bit frustrated because I held off and held off and muttered that it just needed a clean. But in the end, we had to replace it. So we've replaced the printer and I built a brand new desk and a shelf unit for the, the printers to sit on. It all feels very tidy in here. Uh, but I also took the opportunity of rebuilding my own desk because the desk in the studio that I occupy was a desk that was designed for architects and the desk that I'm at is the or was back in the 70s the office manager's desk and it's just not big enough for the iMac the screens um, and the uh, Wacom or Wacom Cintiq graphics tablet that I have and a keyboard it's just not deep enough and I was constantly having to move things to the side uh, and that was causing me all sorts of grief so during lockdown I managed to pinch a nerve in my shoulder and I think part of that was a combination of not shooting and not carrying the cameras and getting out and about all the time and spending the rest of the time sat at a desk that wasn't optimal so now it's optimal. I'm very happy. There's space for everything. Uh, so far, it's not too messy, <laughs> he says, looking around. Okay, it might be a little bit messy, uh, but don't tell anyone. And, so, and it's a real result. I love it when I get a chance to fix things. Uh, it's just something I've always enjoyed. Uh, just about to post a retouch video onto masteringportraitphotography.com for those of you uh, who are members. Have a look out for that. Uh, it was triggered by a question on the forum by Rachel who asked, could I show how to use Liquify to correct uh, asymmetric eyes for someone who had had a stroke? a couple of years ago and although she loved the shots that Rachel had created for her, and quite rightly it's a beautiful shot uh, she wasn't happy that you could see quite clearly that one eye was uh, smaller or the, it was not the eye that's smaller it's actually the eyelids have closed up a little bit due to the stroke and so um, I spent I actually spent about eight hours trying to figure out the right way or a consistent way a consistent way that was easy to explain uh, I've recorded that in a video and uploaded that uh, or I'll upload that tonight uh, onto masteringportraitphotography.com so if that is your particular thing then please do head over there and have a look and today well today has been just delightful uh, this afternoon now there's a client I've been working with for about six years uh, they came to me when their baby was 16 days old and I have been working with them ever since. Uh, the most beautiful family, just gorgeous. And I have been laughing with the lady to come back to the studio and do some modeling for us. Now, of course, she had a 16 day old baby then and she refused. Um, I photographed that daughter's christening, her second daughter's christening uh, and various portrait shoots in between. Today, today she came back as my model and it's just delightful the pictures are beautiful i'm chuffed to bits with them but that's not really why i'm so happy why i'm so happy is because a client came back who when i first asked her didn't really feel confident in herself enough to do it 
And when she came back today, admittedly six years later, she danced in front of a camera. And I don't mean figuratively, I mean literally. She danced in front of the camera. And it's just the greatest feeling when you can celebrate someone's confidence, you can celebrate just how lovely someone is, and at the same time, I can create pictures from it. So today, today has been just a glorious, glorious day. So it's a nice time to be recording a podcast, particularly as it's actually about insecurity more than anything else. Uh, I called it The More You Learn, The Less You Know. Now, let me take you back to my PhD. I say take you back, you weren't there. I'm going to go back to my PhD. At the end of my PhD, which is in, it's now called machine learning. Back then it was called neural networks. They don't use that sort of terminology anymore, but machine learning anyway. And the tutors in charge of the uh, the various PhD uh, courses that were running at the university I was at, at Brunel University in West London, when I uh, successfully passed my Viva I got my PhD. They asked me if I would present to all the or to all of the postgraduates, the guys doing who were do, undergoing who were, who were undergoing their PhDs at the time, if I present and tell them what it was like to get my PhD. And so I sat and chewed on this as I do, and it occurred to me that I was more terrified at the end of the PhD than I was at the beginning. When I started my PhD. I didn't really know how how much there was to know and how little I knew. Now, I'll give you an indication of the, sort of the psychology of the PhD. And this comes from my physics teacher when I was at school. And he told us back then, when you do your O-levels or GCSEs as they are now, um, your, the, the exams you take when you're 16, he says you learn really very little about an awful lot. He said, when you do your A-levels, which are the exams you take when you're sort of 17, 18, and he said, you'll learn a little bit more about a little bit less. He said, if you do a degree, he said, well, he said, you'll learn quite a lot about not a lot. He said, but if you ever get to do a PhD, if you're ever lucky enough, he said these words, if you're ever lucky enough to do a PhD, you're going to learn a heck of a lot about nothing. And that's exactly what it's like doing a PhD. You start out with this grand ambition um, that you're going to change the world. And of course, the very definition of a PhD, to do something that, or to answer a question that's never been answered before, means you are drilling into the tiniest sliver of human knowledge. And so I sat down and I thought about this, and here's what I figured out, is that every question, every single question that I answered, in the process of answering it, I'd uncovered at least two more questions. So I'd then drill into those two or three questions. And for each of those, I'd answer that question. And then I'd then have two or three more questions. So essentially, exponentially, I was creating questions. As fast as I was giving answers, I was exponentially generating more questions. And if you assume the fact that you have a question you know you don't have an answer for is a sign of how little you know, exponentially exponentially, I was learning less and less and less and less. I was realizing how little I knew. Basically, to use Donald Rumsfeld or to twist Donald Rumsfeld's famous quote, I began to know what I didn't know, which frankly is lots. Now, of course, that's, uh, that, I'm talking about a PhD. It's a very academic thing. It's all about fact. But it also chimes with me that even now today, 
the better I get, the more I develop, the further I progress in this industry, actually, I think the more insecure I become. Not about my ability, not really, but about how much I want to achieve, how much further do I want to push? Because I keep learning things and finding out that when I've learned that, that opens this door that lets me learn even more. And then I go through those doors and they each unlock things that allow me to learn even more. And there are only so many hours in the day. You know, at the end of the day, I still have to fuel a business. I still have to create the images that my clients expect me to, to create for them. I still have to give them the experience and the time and the energy that they deserve. That's what this business is about. And yet at the same time, I'm desperate to get out there and learn and figure out and develop skills that I'm just beginning to realize are possible. I never thought I could do it. And now suddenly as I've developed, I'm realizing that I can. So as fast as I'm developing, so is my ambition. And there really isn't I don't think a solution to this. This isn't one of those podcasts where I can jab at the screen or jab at the microphone and say, this is the answer. There is no answer. There is no answer. All I can do is to accept what I know and be thankful. There will never, ever be a dull day as I try to keep up with my own insane desire to be better than I am right now. And you wonder why at the end of every single podcast, I tell you all, to be kind to yourself. And on that happy note, uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe. Please let us know if there's any topics you'd like us to cover. It's usually just me wittering away. Some really cool interviews coming up. I'm glad the feedback on the Kate Nicole interview, uh, the relationship counsellor, was lovely. I was really happy about that because she's such a lovely lady. So thank you for the people who've given us feedback on that. Uh, it's really appreciated. Uh, but some more really, really interesting uh, and diverse uh, interviews coming up, each of which does have a thread a thread that will be interesting to uh, photographers uh, like yourselves. And to anybody else who's listening who's not a photographer, thank you for listening. I found out the other day, this really made me smile, is that one of the hair salons in our local town, local town here, Tame, in uh, Oxfordshire, uh, the guys there listen to the podcast. So hi, everyone. Um, I don't know the name of the salon. I just heard that the, some of the hairdressers listen to it, or the hairstylists rather listen to it. Um, and that really, 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 really made me smile. So uh, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who supports us. Uh, and in the meantime, and this is aimed at you rather than me, remember, be kind to yourself. Take care. Yeah.